0: How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How have you been? I've been good. Just, you know, I've been bracing for this end of week rainstorm slash windstorm that we've been promised all week. And it's like a beautiful day in Nashville.
1: It really is. Yeah. I I thought like, oh, it's going to get super cold and, um, no, it's, it's, I don't know. We've had some really nice weather. It feels like it's we spring gear
0: i know but it's been nice it's been nice weather um when we've been promised terrible weather so like i canceled my hiking plans this morning so i was like well the weatherman says we're gonna get a ton of rain and it's gonna be really windy and meanwhile it's like blue skies just like absolutely gorgeous so i'm a little bitter about it
1: well maybe cut your day short you know and get out there at like 3 30 and get your hike on
0: yeah i would Maybe I think it might have to be like a um, a city hike, as as you will.
1: Yeah. But
0: I live in East Nashville, so we've got obviously hills all over the place. So sometimes it does feel like I'm on a hike. Yeah. <laughs> <And> I'm walking <laughs> around the neighborhood. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the frontier. This is just—it's kind of like my sneaky way of just like getting to chat with people and learn things from them. And the last time you and I worked together, I just learned so much. So I'm excited to share that with folks as well. But I guess to get started, Fatima, why don't you just introduce yourself, kind of share what you're doing now, kind of what your your specialty is, and then we'll jump right into hopefully learning a whole lot about user research and interviews.
1: My name is Fatima Karwandiar. I have been in product management, I guess, 12 plus years now and most recently i'm working with companies um, around product strategy efforts so i realized there was a missing gap in i would say the front end you know beginning of product management which is really understanding the customer problem user research and so i have a passion for that given that i would say i'm part of the generation that lived without social media and the internet and then grew up in it and using it and so seeing kind of that user experience really lacking for a lot of companies really gave me an opportunity to say let me help other organizations that may not have that that skill set in house and so i've been i've been leaning into that and working with really really cool companies in other industries which i've enjoyed
0: that's really cool i didn't realize that you were doing kind of consulting work mostly full time at this point so that's that's really exciting so with with consulting it's Really cool to hear kind of your your sweet spot. It sounds like in terms of stage um, and when you can add the most value to companies, I'm wondering how you gauge potential clients in determining how much value you could provide to them? like is there something you're looking for in, in particular that's like, oh these are this is a company that I could really have a big impact at.
1: I think usually the company's ready for it. They may not know exactly like, oh, I need user research help or I need product strategy assistance, but they probably haven't tapped into kind of, okay, we've been doing this for a while. We've done a really great job. There's been some changes, whether the company got acquired or they've been in startup mode for a long time and kind of really built the product and they, they haven't had a chance to revisit it. And so they're usually ready for that, I would say that conversation of you know, is it time for us to look at a new product? You know, do we really need to evaluate the user experience? I would say those are probably the best clients because they're looking for my help, but they just don't know exactly like what it is exactly. So I think I've never really knocked on someone's door and said hey, your, your product's not delivering a great user experience. They're going, what? It looks great. Usually I think they're, they're ready for it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because usually when I think about user research, I think about startups who are building their first product and they're trying to validate it in the market. And it sounds like based on your experience, maybe an equal need to that is folks who are established um, and are exploring maybe a new product line, or maybe the the environment has just changed since launch, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, if you put a product on the market 10 years ago, the, the industry is completely different at this point. User expectations are totally different. I want to put a pin in that because I think that's important to circle back to in a second, but I realized we didn't kind of lay the groundwork here of just base level. What is user research for someone who's listening and they're like, we, I do not do that. Or that sounds like something I should do, but I don't quite know. Is it like Googling? You know, go ahead. Let's clarify that for folks.
1: When I kind of define user research, it is truly sitting across from someone that could be your target customer or someone that's actually a user of your application. And sometimes like in the, in the case of something new, you may not know if they're your customer yet, but you're having that one-on-one dialogue to show them something, get their feedback on that something that's existing, or you're actually meeting with them to understand the problem space. So that's how I would define user research. I think the idea of customer feedback comes in different ways. You know, there are surveys, there's, you know, net promoter scores. There's all those other means of understanding how people react to your solution in the marketplace. I would say what I do is I try to hone in on that one-on-one dialogue to really, you know, bring out more information from people. Because I think, I think that's the thread that you don't get when you send someone a survey and expect them to answer things because no one wants to fill out four lines of information. I mean, I think a journalist would be a great user research because that's what they're doing. They're trying to hone in, they're digging in, asking those questions and kind of pulling on that thread. So that's what I would say user research is.
0: It's interesting because I feel like we're in, and we've been here for a while just as like a tech industry, we're in this phase of, well, let's like growth and A-B test everything, right? And so I feel like the, the sentiment is, well, why would I spend time and money talking to like five people who have very different biases, experiences, expectations, when I could just A-B test several thousand or tens of thousands of users and learn about what they want that way. What have you found is the real value you get through these conversations that doesn't always show up in A-B tests and that kind of thing?
1: I think people that get into product really enjoy solving problems. And A-B testing is... It is useful and is purposeful when used at the right time in your process. But I think if you are looking at your data and you're not seeing engagement rates or you're not seeing sales close as many deals as they want, changing a button or the placement of something is probably not going to move the needle the way that you need it to, especially when you think about like true revenue dollars for your business. And so, that's where user research comes in. Is you're really diagnosing the problem. You're understanding people's emotions and frustrations and joy, in ensuring that whatever you're delivering is actually solving for their customer problem. And I think that's that's the value that you get when you sit and talk to five to eight people.
0: For us, I feel like talking to customers is what gives us the ideas or the hypotheses, and then. Doing our kind of large-scale ad tests to see, like, all right, which problem statement really hits, is how we validate what we learn from user interviews. So, yeah, that's really awesome. I think, I mean, obviously, I'm a marketer and I focus a lot on growth, um, and I work closely with our product team as well. And so, product and marketing, I feel like the use case for a user interview and the the really rich data we get from those are obvious for product and marketing teams, but what are maybe some non-obvious ways that other teams can really benefit from hearing directly from the market um, and the way that you, you know, conduct those interviews.
1: One, I always record my sessions and I share back the feedback, whether it's with, you know, the customer or the client, but even the internal stakeholders, you know, when, when I worked within an organization, It was really valuable for me, everyone that touches the product to see that feedback, especially if you're in a technology world, getting everyone to buy into what you're doing is really valuable. Mm. And I think sometimes technology folks, developers, engineers are really neglected in making sure that they hear those customer conversations because the salesperson is probably talking to the C-suite and talking to the product people and the customer service people. Well, what about the people that are actually building the solution? you know when they hear the value of what they're building and the impact that it's providing everyone now has skin in the game and they understand the why behind what they're doing so i would say everyone should have exposure to it and and understand the why and and i think that's the way to kind of include everyone in that process so you know for me whenever i've been you know within an organization really sharing that that intel company-wide is is really valuable. And people like hearing what customers are saying and what users are saying, especially when you live kind of in a B2B world because I think those conversations are very visible. It's talked about at the highest level, but sometimes that that consumer, that end customer of that software product is really valuable. And people really, people really I think, are hungry for hearing that feedback. And so that's kind of my way of like trying to include as many people in that process.
0: Hmm. I hadn't thought about using it as a tool to generate buy-in kind of across the team. So product is obviously typically the closest to users um, and responsible for running user research. And you're totally right that if I'm sitting kind of across on another team, watching what product is building and being like, no, why are we doing that? That is like (laughs) not even kind of related to the last product we put onto the market or what I'm hearing from folks on Twitter or whatever. So using user interviews to to generate buy-in is really interesting. When you work with your clients, what team are you usually working the most closely with?
1: It really depends. I I prefer, I would say, more of the business side of the organization. So usually it's product or like a business leader. So they've they've got they've got some chief in their title. <laughs> because they see value in trying to improve the customer experience. And so they've got revenue tied to that. They've got data. So I think those are the key stakeholders that I work well with. And I tell people, you know, I've been in the software industry, but product is very much a business role. You know, if you think about it, you know, we have to ensure that we're, you know, delivering on metrics. Are we actually helping to support our sales team? Are we growing engagement? And so, it makes a lot of sense to really work with those people because we product represents the voice of the customer. And so I, that's who usually I have worked with, you know, and sometimes you'll get really savvy people in other industries, you know, technology officers that are like, that have worked in other places. And they're like, yeah, we need this feedback. We, we, we're, we don't have this Intel. Can you help us get this Intel? Yeah. You
0: know, thinking of product as a business level function is sometimes not obvious, but you're totally right that that's probably the best way to to run a business that's kind of aligned on all fronts. You touched on at the beginning when we were talking about your ideal clients, that usually what you're looking for is someone who's established, but is really ready for like a refresh to understand what's new in the market, or to maybe pressure test a new idea or get inspiration for a new line of products. So obviously, like as a brand evolves, there's a need for continuous user research. Um, so I'm curious, how often do you think brands should be revisiting user research? Is this something that should be done Weekly by somebody full time? Is this a quarterly or a yearly initiative? What's your take on that?
1: I think you should always, as a product person within an organization, you should always be monitoring, keeping a pulse on your customers in some form or fashion. And so there is a time and place to have user interviews, user research, but hopefully you have other metrics that you're actually measuring, engaging how customers are feeling about your products. You know, how do customers reach out to you to let you know that, hey, they want a feature or they're feeling friction? So do you have a direct line to customer service to get that information? So I would say you should always keep a pulse on your customers. And I think sometimes you failed, And I think with everything else that you have going on, you're so busy with the day-to-day operations of, okay, what's the roadmap? Are we executing on the roadmap? Are we delivering this on time? Uh, I'm now on a customer call doing this. And I think, I think always being close to your data and knowing that you have access to that information is really valuable. And I know I've been in organizations where we didn't have a direct line, we didn't have those metrics. And so I would recommend, you know, that's the first thing standing up. Like you, you need to have intel coming to you so that you can monitor that. And then when you start to see that things don't look as optimal as you would like, okay let's talk to customers let's really dig into what it is that's not like we're not seeing the level of engagement that we want and so i would say it's it's a continuous effort you know product should never be far away from knowing the sentiment of their customers
0: yeah you touched on this like product is never short of tasks to be done right I think like in any growing company, that's probably true across teams, but especially for product. And so making the case for putting a pause on the stuff that has a lot of energy and to do's around it to revisit user interviews, which aren't, they're not low effort, right? Like conducting a really great user interview takes a lot of intentional time and planning and skill. So I'm curious for folks listening who maybe are operating on limited bandwidth or resources, what are some scrappy ways that they can get this done? They can still talk to the market and learn from the market without having to to pause other things that might be um, more um, mission critical.
1: If you're in an established company and you already have customers, you already have people that you can talk to, to get feedback on the software that they're using. So pull into them. And I would say, you know, set time aside, you know, schedule five, you know, I always say schedule six to eight people just because, you know, sometimes you'll have really engaged people and then sometimes people cancel. So I'd say, you know, try to schedule eight people. And then if you can get five to six, great. You also, if you're a entrepreneur or you're someone that has an idea and you are like, okay, I, you don't have the resources to do that. You probably know someone in your network that knows someone that knows someone that can get you in front of a person that can give you insight. So if you have an idea about an app to help you help a consumer learn how to compost better, I'm making this up, well, go go talk to someone that, you know, is trying to compost or has no idea about composting and ask them those questions and say, what would you want as a consumer to help you understand like how to begin composting, you know? So, you know, we've got recycling here. So how do you move into that world? So I, I would say it's just a matter of carving that time out, you know, reaching out to people and just start asking questions. And so it's, it's a, it's a pretty low level effort. And the more that you do, you will get better at it. You'll learn techniques about, you know not leading people and letting people kind of really lead you to um you know tapping into those insights and sharing that with you so i would say it can be a you know you don't have to hire an outside service company to find people for you and there are there are ways to do that but i also think like to your point you you probably know people and i think it's just a matter of talking to people and saying i have this idea or you know how do i get in front of this person well they probably know someone so, yeah. and then if you're internal in organization, reach out to your customers, they, they will probably be excited to talk to you.
0: I mean, it sounds like the advice there is don't overthink it, right? Like don't let perfect get in the way of good and just do it. Right.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Well, as somebody who has, um, worked with you on user research and received, feedback that you've generated through user research, I know firsthand how overwhelming it can be to be kind of given a a massive collection of feedback and try to sort through it to determine what's most important, what do we still need to validate, what's actionable now. And I'm curious if you have a playbook for how you recommend folks do that, kind of what to wait higher, what to maybe put on the backlog. How do you help your clients navigate that?
1: one i like to present people everything because i don't want you know if i've spent you know 8 hours you know talking to people sometimes longer and you only present 15 minutes worth of information it makes me question did you even talk to them did you synthesize the information so i really try to give people everything that i've that i've heard um, mm-hmm. from their customers or their target end user And, and from that, that's why there's a sweet spot between, you know, interviewing six to eight people is there will be natural themes that arise that will allow you to explore and try to solution for those. And so I try to do that for, for clients because as they're trying to weave through, they're like, what do we focus on? Well, actually these three things, you know, I, I shared everything with you. These are just like, keep them in your back pocket. If you start to hear more of it, you'll know that so and so that we talked to, that person did have that opinion. Maybe we need to dig into that further. And then there's the question of do we do A B testing? Maybe let's get on the phone with them and validate if that other customers are interested in this capability or feature. But usually, I would say themes develop and themes, you know, if you talk to six people, I would say at least three people or more felt the same way about something that they saw regarding your product. And so Mm -hmm. that I would say would be, I don't try to prioritize, Hey, you know, here's number one, number two, number three, but here are the themes, you know, three or more people felt that they would like, they either really liked or they had an issue with. And so I've never given someone like a laundry list of a hundred things. And I think you, you know, I gave you everything, but I would say, there were probably some key themes that arose Um, and it's an iterative process. So Mm. tackle those things, test it again, and then try it again. Um, And so I would say that's, iteration is a really good thing to your point. Like don't let perfection get in your way of, of, of making an impact.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the strategy is try to get gravitate toward themes rather than like one very, very strong opinion, right? If you get one user who's like, this is awesome, I love this, and everybody else is kind of neutral about it, maybe don't double down on that feature quite yet because you've got one evangelist and let's listen to the thematic kind of the majority of folks, right? Yeah. Well, Fatima, last question. Um, inevitably, someone listening is going to be like, "Fatima is the coolest job ever. <laughs> that sounds awesome." For somebody listening who's interested in getting into product and specifically user research, how would you, how would you advise them to get started?
1: One, observe someone doing it. And so, if you could find someone on YouTube, that's showing you how they would do a one-on-one interview with an existing website or discovery where there's not a website, but they're probing that person to understand, you know, trying to pull at that customer problem, watch them and observe them doing that. And like I said, just practice a book that I think early on in user research careers that people relied on were don't make me think it really mm. provided a I would say kind of a nice framework and coursework around, okay, how do you even begin and move in this process? And he started really simple with just website testing and, you know, how do you go through that? So, and there, and there's techniques out there, you know, like I said, you want to take more of a journalistic approach. You you want to ask questions and really let, you know, I'll tell you a technique that I use. And so when, when you put something in front of someone and they'll say, oh, is is this where it's supposed to go? Or if I click this, will it take me there? I'll say, well, what do you expect it to do? Because one, you're validating, okay, the user, the way that you've designed it, the user does expect for it to act that way. Mm-hmm. And they're telling you that that's how they would like it to act that way. So that's kind of one technique where you really, you want to limit your opinions. And as a someone that's conducting the research, one, really sit back and just let them let them kind of drive the conversation, obviously really back if it's going off topic, but I would say, you know, that's one book that really helped me. There are local resources in your city where you can take UX courses where you don't have to, you know, be enrolled in a school. Um, but I think just learn a little bit, do your first one. And I think we as human beings, naturally, you can ask questions. You can, everyone can do it. So it's just a matter of getting in there and and, and just trying
0: yeah, fake it till you make it, as some say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been really helpful, Fatima. If people are listening and they are interested in getting in touch with you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like LinkedIn's a really great resource. I don't know whenever you post this, if they see my name. I'm probably the only Fatima One in the entire group universe so (laughs) that's
0: uh, very helpful
1: (laughs) yeah so i think you shouldn't have any trouble finding me uh and just send me a dm and if there's any way that i can help someone that is that wants to get into this space um i'm happy to to chat
0: awesome well fatima thank you so much it's been so much fun to chat with you and we have to get together in nashville i say this every time we chat but we've got to do it thanks for listening to the frontier podcast powered by gun.io We drop two episodes per week, so if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at The Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. What's your, do you have a kind of rating system?
1: Oh, who's that?
0: Gosh,
1: that's, I think you probably heard a dog and a delivery in the middle of the day. That's what happened.
0: Classic. What's your dog's name?
1: Charlie. He is a English Springer Spaniel. And so he's, he's all love, but acts like he's pretty tough when a doorbell or a stranger walks by. So
0: my dog looks like an absolute buffoon. He's like a big, puffy Australian Shepherd and just... Like, tongue hanging out the side of his mouth all the time. His name is Frodo. And, like, who's going to take a dog seriously whose name is Frodo? Frodo. But he, does, he does the same thing. Like, even just, like, he'll see, he'll see, like, any sort of cargo van go by, doesn't care. But if the van says Amazon, he's like, not today, not in my neighborhood. <laughs> Um, so I, I, feel your pain with Charlie. Yeah. It sounds like he's doing a good job though of protecting the house.
1: Ex- exactly. You know, of, of unnecessary spending is probably what <laughs> he's barking at.
0: Um, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe Frodo is my financial advisor and I just have been, <laughs> I haven't learned how to speak dog yet.
1: Thanks for listening to the Frontier podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.